0: Hey, Darren, I'm watching the best show on television. You want to know what it is? What is it? I think I know, but what is it? (laughs) Inglorious Trexperts. And you're thinking to yourself, wait a second, that's not a TV show. But it is. But it is. It It is. is. It's a TV show because you can watch us on the Electric Now app. It's an app for streaming video podcasts as well as movies, television, and more. You can see us on demand on Electric Now. I demand it. I demand because I demand it. <laughs> Commodore Stone can watch us on the Electric Now app. And how do you get the Electric Now app? Because apparently people are having trouble understanding the concept. Just go to your app store from whatever device you're using or all of the devices you're using. And you download it to your phone, your iPad, your Roku, your whatever. Whatever you, whatever you, whatever you have that streams other than a Viewmaster. You download it and, and then you watch it 100% free. There's no charge, there's no Patreon, there's no Electronic Frontier. All there is is a free app. So download the Electric Now app from your favorite app store and watch us
1: on Electric Now. You must learn to listen to The Rebel and the Rogue or you will not be allowed to come with me to Alderaan. If you're a fan of the 430 movie, you'll love Best Movies Never Made, hosted by myself, Josh Miller. And Steven Scarlatta. Where we explore some of the greatest movies never made, like E.T. 2. Johnny Quest. Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. And Halloween 3D. New episodes available every other Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, this is Mark A.
0: Altman. And if you're a fan of the only gentleman secret agent with a license to kill and thrill, you should pick up my new James Bond oral history, Nobody Does It Better, Available now in hardcover, audio, and digital wherever books are sold. Do you expect me to read? No, I expect you to buy it.
2: Hey, this is Mark A. Ault. And this is Darren Doctorman. And we are the inglorious
0: Trek Spurts. <laughs> Did I say that with the proper enthusiasm? You said it exactly right. <laughs> A man has enthusiasms. So, and one of my enthusiasms is Star Trek in case really? you hadn't noticed. Yeah, I, I can't shake it. I can't shake <laughs> it. Try as I might, I just love this thing we call Trek. Uh, and speaking of people who love Star Trek, We have a special guest with us today. Of course, I'm talking about special guest star, extraordinaire, the writer and producer of such shows is Black Sails, uh, Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. You know him as the screenwriter of things like X-Men First Class and Thor. Of course,
3: I'm talking about
0: the man, the myth, the legend, Ashley Edward Miller.
3: I am so excited to be here, Ethically, ethically, of course. It's a matter of ethics, ethics.
2: You are our Dr. Smith, our special guest star.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh so good.
0: <laughs> well we you know look, I've always been I've always been fascinated by Star Trek and academia. You know and and there are a lot of pop culture shows. I know Buffy's <laughs> been taught in colleges, um Star Wars, but it it does seem as though Star Trek has become something that's that's rather popular in 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 terms of uh pop culture and it's interesting because when I was in college um you know I was in a Liberal Arts College, a very prestigious Liberal Arts College, but um, and I was a political science and American Studies major. There was a lot of antipathy towards teaching about media, uh, uh, and and so I remember I studied with the great David Mark and 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 Tom Doherty, but uh, they had a really difficult time in the American Studies Department of Political Science uh, getting these classes approved by the chairman because they they felt there was a certain frivolousness to teaching about the history of television and, 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 and movies and um, uh, even, you know, understanding uh, the history of American culture and popular culture through popular culture. And even in English, I remember I took a, um, it was uh, a novels to film class, which was one of my favorite, favorite classes, but they were few and far between. It was hard to put together. Um, So when I hear that, you know, there's Star Trek classes, I'm like, you know, my first instinct is really you're teaching about Star Trek. You know who the teachers are? The teacher is, you know, the person that takes Spock's brain. That's the teacher. That's but, true. uh, A child but, can do it. I, And, 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 you know, it's like, we're the teachers. We're the Trek experts. But, uh, I, I, I find that, um, when, it, when this came across our desk, and again, it was thanks to, um, Ra- director Ralph Sinensky, who, who told us that, uh, Roger Thompson was teaching classes in Korea, uh, about the ethics of Star Trek. It sounded like something we really wanted to know more about We had curiosity, insatiable curiosity. And um, so today's episode is entitled Teaching Trek, where we're going to explore um, Star Trek in academia. And I, I know it sounds like a rather dry subject, but I think people are going to find it's quite fascinating.
1: I'm talking about Frank. I'm talking about character. I'm talking about... Hell, Leo, I ain't embarrassed to use the word. I'm talking about ethics. You know I'm a sporting man. I like to lay the occasional bet, <laughs> but I ain't that sporting. When I fix a fight, say I uh, pay a 3-to-1 favorite to throw a goddamn fight, I figure I got the right to expect that fight to go off at 3-to-1. But every time I lay a bet with a son of a bitch burning burn bomb, bomb, before I know it, the odds is even up. Or worse, I'm betting on the short money. The sheeny knows I like short things. He's selling the information I fixed to fight. Out-of-town money comes pouring in. The odds go straight to hell. I don't know who's he's selling to. it. Maybe the Los Angeles combine. I don't know. The point is, Bernie ain't satisfied with the honest dollar he can make off the Vic. He ain't satisfied with the business I do on his book. He is selling tips on how I bet. And that means part of the payoff that should be riding on my hip is riding on someone else's. So, back we go to these questions. Friendship. Character. Ethics. So it's clear what I'm saying. As much. so a businessman can't expect no return from a fixed fight. Now, if you can't trust a fix, what can you trust? For a good return, you gotta go betting on chance. And then you're back with anarchy, right back in the jungle. That's why ethics is important. What separates us from the uh, animals, the uh, beasts of burden, beasts of prey, ethics. Whereas uh, Bernie Birnbaum is a horse of a different color. Ethics-wise, as in he ain't got any. Indeed. Yeah, for sure.
0: <laughs> I mean, w- let me ask you. I mean, you know, obviously, Darren, you went to film school. You know, you so you probably took a lot of classes like this, right? You know, no, uh,
2: because the the one class that I took that is very relatable to this is uh, a mythology class. Um, hmm. We did a deep dive into, uh, you know, Greek and Roman mythology and learned uh, some of the stories and some of the uh, basically story lessons for people to uh, read or tell. You know, it began as an oral tradition, and and it was intended to teach people how to live with each other and to give examples of leading a uh, leading an ethical life or uh, the dangers of not leading an ethical life, things like that. And that's one of the things that I found most fascinating and related directly with Star Trek.
0: Yeah. See, in middle school, I think uh, I remember we were studying you know, Greek history. And of course, you know, I'm never one to men's words bones. And I think I said, you know, there's a great Star Trek episode where Apollo's <laughs> in it.
3: <laughs> and so was Leslie Parrish. I,
0: I, 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 I think after that, I was reluctant to ever uh, mention Star Trek uh, in, in school again.
3: Um, you know, but, but they talk about Athena. And <laughs>
0: well, and, the uh, thing
3: about, the, about even talking about television or film to some extent, but, but mainly talking about television as um, an as art, right? Why that's so new is I, I think that television for so long was so disposable, right? And I, I think it took some time for, for something like Star Trek even to seep into the popular consciousness as something other than just a disposable art, right? This is not gun smoke. This is not wagon train to the stars. This is something else entirely. And um, there's a, I, I think that the, the the skepticism was something that academia came by honestly, uh, you know, although ironically they they came to it out of ignorance. And to me, Star Trek becomes such such rich fertile ground for having these kinds of classes and conversations simply because over time, right? since people our age uh, have watched this show and and maybe have a, a generation ahead of us, what other show has been talked about, dissected, written about, Re-performed it, just than Star Trek. Um, Gilligan's Island, uh, exactly. Other than Gilligan's Island, nothing, nothing. (laughs) No, it's it's. There's so much material out there, and I think now that it's 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 something where we have legitimately engaged with it on an intellectual level. There are things to actually say, um, and it's gained a legitimacy. I think the attitude has changed because I do think there was a certain
0: uh, pretentiousness in the Academy. Uh, not mm-hmm. Starfleet. I mean, in in, <laughs> in college, you know, in the IV. in academia, in the, yes, in academia, and 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 so something like this, you know, seemed seemed absurd. And I do feel that over time, it's become more acceptable. You know, pop culture has been something that uh, is is more um, and 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 using it as a way in to teach sociology, to teach philosophy, mm-hmm. to teach ethics um, has been more acceptable. But I think it's taken a long time to get there because it was always like, Oh, this is the stuff they teach at community college, you know, yeah. Star Trek, you know, but, but I think over time it's become more acceptable. And as you hear our conversation, with Roger, you see that there's a, A it's a great way to teach English to people mm-hmm. who aren't um, natural English speakers that where English is a second language. And uh, B it's a great way to teach about philosophy and ethics, um, which uh is 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 a testament to the enduring appeal of star trek and it's enduring um validity and importance and and something that's questionable about the more recent iterations of star trek does it have does it all, all have that to offer in the way that the early iterations of star trek did yeah
2: because the I, early iterations were a glimpse into a future that we would want to
0: live in Right, but it also, but it asked interesting questions that it let the audience answer. And that's why we could have a discussion like we did a few weeks ago about the politics of Star Trek, where we both could be convinced of the righteousness of our cause. Where, you know, I could be, you know, talking about the more progressive liberal aspects of Star Trek, be utterly convinced that's what Star Trek is. And you and and Dennis House could talk about the conservative values and libertarian aspects of Star Trek and be utterly convinced that you're right. So, You know, Star Trek asks a lot of questions, and it doesn't doesn't necessarily provide the answers. It asks you to provide the answers right. and have the conversation, and that's what's that's so great cool, about Star Trek. That's,
3: that's the original series through Deep Space Nine, and yeah. and I think what's happened is that it's it's more, and I I hate kind of getting into, but I think it is more interested in saying stuff than it is in asking stuff Mm. now. And I think that that to me is an important distinction. And very often because it is so concerned with saying things as opposed to asking things, the message I think sometimes gets muddled because Mm. I'm not sure that the episodes always know what it is they want to say. And so no amount of beautiful visual effects or even frankly, in all fairness, occasionally really great performances um can can save it from that any more than patrick stewart an unbelievably gifted actor could save star trek the next generation in its first couple of seasons uh you know 98 of the time it's it's not that's not what the problem is right
0: that's a great point that's a great point and and worth worthy of further discussion but for now we're going to go halfway around the world and uh, this is one of the the few good things about these zoom conversations it's it's, uh, it's allowed us to talk to a lot broader group of people uh, internationally than we could have in the studio so we're gonna uh join roger thompson in south korea teaching at um chung yi university outside of seoul uh in suhan uh about uh, his class on the ethics of star trek welcome roger and we're here with Roger Thompson. Uh, Roger is probably, uh, in terms of uh, geography, uh, a guest who's the furthest away from the Trek Trexpert Studios of anyone we've talked to, maybe with the exception of Andre Kindred, who is in Australia. But uh, Roger is in Seoul. Actually, he's not in Seoul. He's in Suwon, which is uh, outside of Seoul in South Korea. And uh, he teaches at Chung-Yi uh, University. where he teaches a class on Star Trek. And Roger, we're we're thrilled to have you. Tell us uh, a little bit about, uh, tell us about this class of yours that you teach. Uh, You know, we've all heard that Star Trek has become a big deal in academia, but I've never actually heard of a a class that uh, specifically focuses on Star Trek. We'd love to hear what it is that you're
4: teaching. Okay, well... Uh, I wasn't the original professor to teach this class. It was taught by a friend of mine. And when he taught it, it wasn't really a Star Trek class. It was a general science fiction class. Hmm. The, the, there were some some Star Trek movies in his class, but he also showed Forbidden Planet, classic science fiction, and... Uh, When he left the university, he got to choose his successor. And he knew that I was a big Star Trek fan that I was. And uh, so I was chosen to replace him. And uh, I originally was going to try to duplicate his curriculum and try to do exactly what he did. But I thought, this is an opportunity to introduce Star Trek to Korea. Because Korea has historically not been a Star Trek country. It's a Star Wars country. Interesting. Until Netflix came to Korea, very, very few Koreans who had never left Korea, the ones who never left Korea, had any knowledge of Gene Roddenberry's universe, Mm -hmm. except for the J.J. Abrams films. They were popular here, but this Mm -hmm. is still very much a Star Wars country. And um, I did some research and I found a book online called The Ethics of Star Trek, written by a philosophy professor, in Indiana named Judith Barad. And I ordered it off Amazon, and it covers the original series, Next Generation, Voyager, and Deep Space Nine. Now, when I first started teaching the class, uh, I'm more familiar with Next Generation than I am with, let's say, Deep Space Nine. I originally had it 50% episodes and movies from the original series, learning about ethics, Western ethics, the great greek philosophers etc and modern ethics too and then i would have half half the after the midterm we would use episodes from star trek the next generation now i tried that for one semester but this is and it was also my first semester teaching the class star trek the original series the bickering between spock and mccoy really resonated more with my students the conflict between the characters really resonated with my students, even though the special effects were out of date uh, compared to the CGI that is available. Now, that, uh, now, luckily, it's Star Trek is on Korean Netflix with Korean subtitles, mm-hmm. all the Star Trek series are. So my students can watch the remastered versions of Star Trek, which have the modern CGI and with Korean subtitles, and now that I'm teaching online because of the coronavirus pandemic in Korea, I've been teaching online all this year. My students watch the episodes on Netflix with either English or Korean subtitles, and I do a a lecture using PowerPoint presentation, reading from the book The Ethics of Star Trek, and uh, uh, giving them uh, take-home exams instead of written exams etc so it all started with this desire to bring star trek classic star trek to korea to show what the original classic was like what started this great television and movie franchise that far exceeds star wars over 700 hours of of episodes and movies some of which are great some of which are average some of which are not that great but um I, I, this semester, I will teach, uh, I will use 30 episodes from classic Star Trek. And uh, they range from The Balance of Terror, This Side of Paradise, The City on the Edge of Forever, including some episodes that are not so popular like The Savage Curtain, where we learn that good is stronger than evil because evil souls are not balanced, according to Aristotle, and and things like that. So we use some average episodes. We use some above-average episodes. So they get over the course of the semester, they get a, a very thorough grounding in what classic Star Trek was like. I tell them how it was a groundbreaking show for its time, how it had Black and Asian characters in prominent roles, which was unheard of in American television. You had Dr. Daner, a woman psychiatrist in Where No Man Has Gone Before. How many women psychiatrists were on television in 1966? Probably none except on Star Trek. And how many Black senior officers like Commodore Stone in the episode Court Martial, who Kirk reports to? How many Blacks in senior roles like that? Richard Daystrom, the the, the developer of the M5 computer, a Black man, a Black American man winning the Nobel Prize. Now, how often did you hear about black computer scientists on television in the 1960s? So I explained to them, yes, they're wearing many skirts. That was the style back then. And they do say where no man has gone before, whereas more recent versions of Star Trek say where no one has gone before. I tried to explain that this was a very forward-looking show for its time, Mm -hmm. uh, a show that really gave hope for the future how we settle our conflicts, how to think logically, how to be ethical in our actions, know the difference between right and wrong, and generally be a better person through science fiction. And I tell them only through science fiction can we learn what a good future we have in store for us. That's Gene Roddenberry's philosophy, and it's also my philosophy.
2: I'm sold, where do I sign up?
4: <laughs> <laughs> you have to go to
3: Korea. Yeah. yeah. Second, go become on. a Korean. <laughs> where, where, Which reminds where, me, was, have you had you been to
4: Korea before you took this job? No. Well, I lived. I've lived in Korea for eighteen years, and I I've been at Chung University for fourteen years. Okay. I mainly teach English and civics. I have one. Start so you to didn't account.
3: fall out of the sky, not speaking the language, yeah. and than teaching Star Trek. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Very cool. Yeah.
0: Now, were you surprised to find that your class gravitated so strongly to the original series, or was it, were you sort of expecting that? Because you said you bifurcated the class, started with TOS, and then you used some next generation episodes, and they seemed to react respond more strongly to TOS. Um, was, did, did did that surprise you at all, or or did you foresee that?
4: Um. I'm surprised in a way because we were using the old, the original non-remastered versions with the outdated special effects. And, uh, but we ended the, we ended the the TOS version with the movie Star Trek to the wrath of Khan, where obviously Spock dies at the end. And then we had the midterm exam and then we started watching next generation. And people were saying to me, Why did they kill Spock? And why did we stop at this point?
5: I said, well, he does
4: come back to life eventually. But I wanted, because the textbook we cover, covers all four of the available Star Trek series when the book was written, I think in 2001. um, We don't teach the whole book because it covers a lot of episodes that we don't cover. And not every episode of Star Trek is an ethical lesson. Some of them, I include a few that are not in the uh, book, like uh, Shore Leave, just for comedic relief, Mm -hmm. so that they get a broad view, not just of ethics, but of Star Trek and a greater understanding of what is popular in Western culture. There's no sci-fi channel in Korea, at least none that I I know of. Uh, Star Trek, uh, I had a friend do some research, a Korean friend said, The original series may have been shown on Korean TV, dubbed into Korean in the 1970s, but it was not popular and did not last long. Mm -hmm. When I first came here in 2002, we used to get the Hallmark Channel on our cable here in, in Seoul when I lived in Seoul. And we used to get Star Trek Voyager with Korean subtitles. And I was so happy to get that. But then they dropped the Hallmark Channel and I had no further contact with Star Trek. So my, my late father, who was still living in Canada, he would tape Star Trek off the uh, Canadian sci-fi channel mm-hmm. and mail it to me every month <laughs> so I could watch it on VHS. Right. Because I was so you- deprived, I felt starved of Star Trek in Korea until, until I started teaching this class and then Netflix became available. Mm-hmm.
0: How did you broach the subject of something like, say, a private little war where the ethics are somewhat murky? You know, an episode in which which was very atypical of Star Trek in the fact that it was a Vietnam allegory, yeah. but which which was a more more conservative in its approach. Uh, that was sort of um, you know, let's arm everyone equally. Uh, it it, it seems you know it's rather atypical. A lot of the cast, in retrospect, have said that they didn't really feel that that represented Star Trek the the, the, the way that's that
4: one of the reasons why I don't include that episode. <laughs>
0: interesting interesting i don't Uh, mind
4: that episode i i don't mind the anti-war part we do talk in terms of anti-war we talk about a taste of armageddon we watch that we watch um um errand of mercy which is a good anti-war thing we watch arena with the gorn and how mm -hmm. they want how peace is always the desirable uh outcome in star trek in in English, my class is called Ethics of the Future, Analyzing Science Fiction Films. But in the Korean version, the Korean, the Korean students understand it as imagination of a movie, future peace and ethics. Hmm. Directly translated from Korean, the word peace appears in it. It doesn't right. appear in the English version. So huh. I try to make sure that war is depicted as something that is ugly and often un- unnecessary and often unnecessary. And something that we will evolve beyond—that there's no racism in the 23rd century, at least not against other human beings. There was Styles' racism against Spock in *Balance of Terror*, right. and then Spock saves his life anyway, right, right. demonstrating his stoicism, his control of emotion. How many human beings would would save the life of a person who is bigoted against them? <laughs> Right. Not too many, I would think. Okay, it, there wasn't there wasn't racism,
0: but there was xenophobia. How how yeah. much did you how much did you put these episodes in the cultural context? Because you were dealing with the ethics and the philosophy of Star Trek. Were you also putting it in sort of the cultural context of the time at which it was made to understand what was going on? particularly in the culture in the United States in the mid-60s, and and how this reflected it as allegory and metaphor.
4: Yes. Prominent roles for women, prominent roles for minorities, which was groundbreaking for the time. And they say, my students sometimes say, oh, this looks like a modern show, considering they have asian people and black people and other other racial minorities on the show that women were given prominent parts they weren't just nurses they were communications officers lawyers scientists um, etc etc so i try to put it in the frame of mind yes this is an old show but it but it was the it was one of the most progressive shows on television if not the most progressive shows shows like voyage to the bottom of the sea i think they had one uh, black guy on Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea who was not even in a speaking part, and I was told that David Hedison, they, who played Commander Crane of the Captain of the Sea View, insisted that they have at least one minority on the show. Hmm. That shows the difference between Star Trek and Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. Well, well, can I ask you an
3: ethics question? Sure. Okay, and specifically about Star Trek and ethics. So let's talk about kind of the 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 anti-war message. So Deep Space Nine is kind of an interesting cat when you look at it in the context of the the rest of Star Trek, because one of the things that's most on its mind as a television show is, you know, it's easy to be an angel in paradise um, and it's difficult to be an angel when you are in any place else. Um, In fact, I was was talking with one of the writers um, just yesterday. We were having a conversation about it. And um, you know what he was saying is the thesis of the show, or one of the theses of the show, is that war is evil, but it can be a necessary evil. And the thing that, um, that drove a lot of the storytelling in Deep Space Nine, that kind of drove a lot of the, the character story, was how they explore a character's relationship to that necessary evil. So my question to you is, when you're talking about these things in the context of the class, how much of of Deep Space Nine comes into it? I know you're not as as much of a Deep yeah. Space Nine fan. I know that that you know most of your experiences is with is with Next Generation. But do you have those conversations? Um, do you know, those things ever come uh, up? Deep
4: Space Nine uh, rarely comes up, although some of my students who lived abroad have seen it. Um, it's been a long time since I've seen Deep Space Nine. I watched the pilot episode when it first came out and thought, "Oh, this is okay—a uh, space station," uh, uh, but I'm, it never really reached me the way Voyager did and the way Next Generation did. And so, I've kind of not included Deep Space Nine in the uh, in the because. My first experience teaching more than one series is that it led to confusion with the students. I said, let's have mm. the same characters every week, the same ship every week, etc." cetera. So unfortun- unfortunately, right. within the limitations of a class, that's taught once a week for two hours and 45 minutes. We watch two episodes. We have a 30-minute lecture and discussion. One thing about teaching Korean students is it's a cultural thing. They generally do not ask questions. Mm. They Mm. consider it uh, rude to the professor or they consider it to be uh, wasting time and to waste the professor's time to ask them questions. It's a cultural difference. Mm
5: -hmm. Mm.
4: So that interactivity that I I like to have with my students only happens over email. Mm.
3: Right.
2: (laughs) I understand that I I, uh, I teach in a uh, uh, art school, an, an advanced uh, uh, co- collegiate art school, and we have uh, a bunch of uh, of Korean students and uh, other Asian students, and yeah, I found that it's they're very very quiet. They yeah. they don't they don't say a, they don't say a word, and it's like pulling teeth to get anything, you know, uh, uh, repartee or, or discussion uh, mm. out of them.
3: Well, and, there's there's definitely a, a cultural um proclivity towards just recognizing authority absolutely you know, right? it's, absolutely it's, which i experience with my with my team it's just right. you say something and they're like okay even if they're gonna then just do something entirely different <laughs> still like they're just they're not going to be the guys who, who interact with you. In yeah that, it's uh, there's we the western
4: way of teaching and then there's the eastern way of teaching. Yeah. I teach at the yep. global campus, Kyunghee Global Campus which has a large number of foreign students and a large number of my students have lived in the U.S., Canada, England etc. Mm-hmm. So they've been educated in international schools but uh, some of them do speak out from time to time, but it's still a rarity right? Right. for a Korean student to question a professor. They'll do it over email. They'll wait for the end of the class. And then as I'm leaving, going back to my office, then they'll come up and ask me a question. That's but good. they won't That's do good. it publicly. Did you get any pushback from the
0: department chairs uh, who you know think this kind of subject matter is trivial you know the last 10 years oh. you find a lot more school no good they, they so there was a lot of support for the for the um
4: yes uh i was i've got nothing but support from the from the school and uh never any pushback um you have to understand that uh we're trying to produce here students who can speak english decently by the time they graduate right mm-hmm. and oh, okay. they are it's a required this this class, although not a required class, is an optional class. There's a number of classes available that are taught purely in English. Mm-hmm. One of them is about just using the book Justice, taught by a friend of mine who's a former uh, law school graduate. And there's my class, and there's a few others that are taught by Western people, and they're taught purely in English. Although I use Korean subtitles to help my students because the techno babble, even in Original series is a bit, I mean, I don't want to spend time explaining warp drive and phasers, etc. Right. The Korean mm-hmm. subtitles really helped. Now, when I started teaching this class, I had only my American DVDs. There are no Korean DVDs of Star Trek except for the movies. Right. Now, then Netflix came along, thank goodness, and made it a lot easier because I had to fail a lot of people because they just couldn't keep up with English subtitles. Mm. The class had a 30% failure rate the first time I taught it. And then I thought, I've got to find a way to get Korean subtitles. And thankfully, Netflix came along and saved me. And luckily, during this pandemic, uh, Netflix is inexpensive and readily available in Korea. And uh, I can still continue teaching the class pretty much the same way that I would teach it in the classroom, except using the remastered versions with Korean subtitles and the grades, the average grade point average went up considerably. Now it's considered a fun class, not a class that you're gonna kill yourself over because they don't understand. The textbook is purely in English though. Hmm. And that is the hard part for many of the students is the textbook. The textbook is not intended for people not written for people who are not thoroughly familiar with Star Trek, and who are not thoroughly grounded in the English language. That's the hard part. Much like getting pun, the ethics yes. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you. Because you mentioned that
0: uh, some of the things you use in your curriculum from TOS or Balance of Terror, Taste of Armageddon, The Savage Curtain, Shirley. for Next Generation, what are some of the episodes that you use um, to, to 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 teach um, ethics in, in the class?
4: Ethics. ethics when Dr. Crusher had that other doctor come aboard yeah. and was doing experiments to test the theory of her dangerous experiments. I actually yeah. tweeted Gates McFadden about that, and she wrote and she tweeted me back saying, How wonderful! The world certainly needs ethics.
0: <laughs> yes, um, so well, she's are, pretty
4: cool in my book. Uh, we watched i Borg mm-hmm. and where uh Picard, uh, because it's been a while since I've taught, it was six years ago when I taught that last saw that episode, where Picard has to get over his, his hatred for the Borg. Uh, and whether he'll commit genocide by yeah, releasing a exactly. virus that
0: will kill exactly. all the Borg. Yes, right. <laughs> Yes.
4: Yes. Um, the special effects in Next Generation are obviously better than what you had in the original series. And the ethics are somewhat different. Kirk is not like Picard. Picard does not get into fist fights and there's minimal conflict between the characters compared to the original Star Trek in which there was a lot of bickering and arguing. But that's the appeal of the classic Star Trek is the yeah. bickering yeah. and arguing. Well, they the, they the represent characters. the internal dialogue in Kirk's head, the logical side and the emotional side in Kirk's head. Sure. And how do I make a decision? That's why he depends so much on Spock and Bones.
2: Yeah, well, they, they we call him the Holy Trinity.
4: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and, um, wh- were there any other episodes that you feel, um, represent sort of uh, a, a good template for studying the ethics of Star Trek? It, it does seem that you know the original series sort of grappled with these issues in a much more, um, a tangible way, that it was probably more a little more subtle in, in Next Generation, that they were yeah. it was more space anomalies and. And, and and science techno stuff as opposed to the original star trek which was truly you know grappling with these issues of 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 social importance and ethics and things like well, that I,
4: the episodes that i like to teach most for teaching ethics are a mock time where kirk disobeys a direct order mm-hmm. to save spock's life the philosopher mm-hmm. wd ross uh said that uh he had six prima facie duty ethics. One is the duty of gratitude, one is the duty of beneficence, one is the duty of, of fidelity, one is the duty of non-maleficence. And what happens is Kirk makes the decision to go to Vulcan with Spock breaking his oath of fidelity, which is his duty of fidelity to obey orders, because he took an oath as an officer to obey orders, his duty to grat- of gratitude to Spock for saving his life so many times, and his duty of non-maleficence, which is the most important prima facie duty, saves Spock's life. Right. And uh, when Kirk justifies it that way, and then, and then it's saying that what Kirk did was he broke an order but he was forgiven mainly because it was the ethical thing to do and also because the Vulcan matriarch intervened on his yeah. behalf to prevent him from getting in trouble.
3: We got a phone call from Tapau. The thing that you're you're kind of getting at, and I think this is maybe, for me, the reason why the original series grappled with these things, I think, more effectively than The Next Generation did, is that um, it, I've always felt that the original series is a more character-driven yeah. It is more about Kirk and Spock. Um, It is more about the choices that they make. It's more interested in who they are as as people. And as much as I love the next generation, at least until you start getting into some of the later seasons, it was less interested in that than it was in kind of telling the plot and kind of telling the story. And, And I don't know that you can effectively have a conversation about ethics in the context of drama unless you're telling the character story. Because everything that you're talking about is really... That's that's bound so tightly to character, which I just I find incredibly interesting. Listening to you mm. talk about,
4: it. yeah, I agree. Uh, Star Trek: The Original Series, I think, is the best one for teaching ethics. And what did you plumb
0: for teachable moments in the movie and Wrath of Khan? What was it about Wrath of Khan? That, well, uh,
4: Nietzsche's concept of the Overman, the Superman, the, the 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 superior being, who creates his own morality, who goes beyond good and evil. Right, mm-hmm. Khan would seem to be the, Khan, the Nietzsche's perfect Overman, but his desire for revenge not only destroyed himself, it destroyed his people. He could have created a planet and, and built his own empire and lived uh, with, in, in power for the rest of his life, but he chose to devote his energies to revenge to destroy one man, and in, in, in the course of doing so, he loses his status as Nietzsche's Overman. And, be, and Spock, through his sacrifice and affirmation of life, saving his young crew by, by sacrificing his own life in the radioactive engine room. Spock, because Nietzsche's Overman. Mm-hmm.
0: That's a cla- that's a teachable is. moment. It is man and Superman. That is that is true.
4: Did you teach uh, Space Seed as well, or just? Yes, I did. I showed Space Seed as a way of saying. I want definitely to show Star Trek Wrath of Khan, but, but in order to do that, we've got to meet Khan first. Yeah. So Space Seed, although not an episode that I would say is terribly big on ethics, except maybe avoid genetic engineering. right? <laughs> right? But uh, I, I include Space Seed because they've got to know who Khan was. They've got to know this grudge for 15 years has existed, that he is the villain, that Ricardo Montalban is a better con than uh, Justin <laughs> it Cumberbatch. It Cumberbatch, yeah.
2: yeah. But it, it, it also, it does show uh, in Space Seed, it shows the bond of the crew and their support for what they stand for. You know, yeah. those scenes where they, where con is showing Kirk in the pressurization chamber and his crew will not budge. They, yeah. you know, they are willing to, be killed themselves rather than give in to Khan and right. his people. Um so I think that's a that's a really good that's a really good lesson in loyalty and uh and honor and uh
0: um strength. Yeah. I agree. Even Marla MacGyver is ultimately uh after making a terrible mistake sides with Kirk right. by the yeah. end of the story. Yeah so um <laughs> but even that's such a fascinating thing to see how um, you know, and it's even—it seems even more relevant today. How Marla MacGyver's who studied history, is so fascinated with the alpha male because it's something that d- that doesn't really exist anymore in the 23rd century, and yeah. uh, uh, and even
4: and not so much now either. <laughs> well, exactly,
0: and that's why it, it, it's really interesting to look at that through the perspective, and that's why Star Trek, I think, continues to be a of story- of so much fascination because you look at it one way in the 60s i think we looked at it one a different way you know in in the 70s and 80s and and you know now you could look at it in a completely different perspective uh you know looking at it now i mean we did an episode recently where we talked about episodes that we um didn't like as kids that we now love and vice versa so star trek is is you know evolving it. it's always evolving and it's it's fluid and it's it's never the the same thing and i think your perspective on it you know changes so do you feel that like some of your students when they left the class wanted to continue to explore that yes. it, that that had resonated for them
4: yes i get lots of i get lots of emails at the end of the semester saying they're going to continue watching the whole series mm. although we watched 32 episodes so that's that's more than one season's worth. Yeah. Yeah. They get I, I a pretty
3: think, thorough coverage. I, I That's the longest of, running series on Netflix, I think, at 32
5: episodes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> one of the fascinating things I've found in, in terms of talking about original series specifically is that um, it truly has become our mythology. Yeah. It is absolutely fil- fulfilling the same role in our society that the you know the greek mythology stories uh played in their society as uh not only a uh interesting stories about uh people that seem real uh but also a a blueprint for how to live ethically and morally and Mm -hmm. and uh and integrate with other people yeah totally agree it's and it's fascinating because it's It's really, it's really those same stories that they are, you know, they have become bigger than life. And yet they give us an absolutely um, good window on our own lives.
4: Exactly.
0: Is Star Trek unique in this respect, Roger? I mean, is there another series that you, you know, potentially... Could um, teach a similar class. I, nothing comes to mind for me. Nothing
4: comes to mind with me either. Although I do like other science fiction. I like Space nineteen ninety nine. I like Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. I like the old Battlestar Galactica. Uh, I I even like Buck Rogers. Uh, Star Trek stands head and shoulders above them as far as teaching ethics goes. At least at least that's my view. That's why I chose it. I don't know if I'd want to take a class about Buck Rogers.
3: I
0: don't know. Oh, I don't know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> maybe the second Larry season.
3: Gary Gray is teaching it. I'm taking that class. Well, that
0: maybe you're right. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a stretch to to find a discernible uh, ethical uh, or or a philosophical uh, element to uh, Buck Rogers. So uh, in the episode where Gary Coleman uh, goes, <laughs> get, <laughs> battles Ray Walston.
3: <laughs> Happy What's birthday, Buck.
4: Um, <laughs> I mean, there are other classes at other universities in Korea that use science fiction, including Star Trek. What makes my class different is that it's the only all Star Trek class. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what makes it different. That's what makes it groundbreaking and uh, hopefully brings classic Star Trek to a country that has pretty much ignored it or forgotten about it. Right. In a well, small way, me and Netflix, hopefully me on the, on the micro scale and Netflix on the macro scale. Honestly, mm-hmm. I think the United States needs that, too,
2: at this yeah. point, <laughs> because uh, a lot of uh, a lot of areas have forgotten about, you know, the important lessons that the original show taught
4: us. Yeah, for sure.
0: You know, obviously, uh, there's a lot of discussion over the years about uh, Star Wars versus Star Trek, et cetera, et cetera. Not that it was ever a competition, but I'm curious why you think that Star Wars has been so much more popular than Star Trek in Korea? Or is it just the availability issue?
4: I think it's the availability issue. Like I said, all the Star Wars movies are available on DVD, Blu-ray, Netflix, whatever. Uh, the toy stores in Korea. We have Toys R Us in Korea, and they're filled with Star Wars toys. Mm -hmm. Um, Even the J.J. Abrams Star Trek reboots, which are very well known in Korea, the merchandise isn't in the shops. I don't like those J.J. Abrams films, by the way, but even some Star Trek exposure in in terms of merchandise, in terms of music, culture, uh, there's no sci-fi channel here.
2: You're, you're not going to get an argument from us about the JJ Abrams movies i'll
1: just leave that <laughs> and i'd
2: love leave you to, that right to, there.
0: i'd I lo- i'd love you to to extrapolate on that because of course you know you teach a class which is about ethics and about subtext and about a, a complexity ultimately to the storytelling and you know it's interesting that you didn't respond to the JJ trilogy and i wonder if you can tell me why you perceive that to be the case is it because there's nothing there, there that it, it's yeah. about much, uh, you know, uh, uh, light and fury signifying nothing.
4: Yeah, well, I agree with George Takai. Uh, Takei, I guess I don't know how to pronounce his name. <laughs> Takai uh,
2: means expensive.
4: Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that's right. That's Neither right. does <laughs> Um They're they're just action flicks, and uh, they don't honor the canon. And I think Gene Ronberry was rolling over in his grave back in uh, 2009 when the first one came out. I actually saw it twice, once with my Korean girlfriend, just to confirm how much I hated it. <laughs> this is why I hate it. The second time I said this, right. Spock kissing Uhura, Uhura kissing Spock. I hate that. <laughs> uh-huh. What
0: does uh, an exam look like in your class? When, well,
4: uh... well, back in the days before the online teaching, it would be a four-question essay, one page per, per question. Mm. And I would say, describe the plot of episode X in your own words, and then tell me what the philosopher Aristotle or Socrates or Plato or Ross or whoever we're talking about here would say about this episode. Mm. So first, give me a summary of the plot then tell me kirk behaved ethically because of condition 1 condition 2 condition 3 aristotle would approve of kirk's behavior because it was virtuous by its own by on the face of it not because he was forced to do it because he knew he was doing the right thing by saving spock's life etc so it's a two and it's it's a it's a 2 hour and 45 minute essay with four questions wow and um if you've studied uh, and you've been paying attention, I don't think the exams are all that difficult now because we've got the English subtitle, the the Korean subtitles available on Netflix. Right. Back in the days, it was I had to fail about thirty percent of the class, and some students kind of hated me for giving them Fs, and and my my dean sort of said you got to find a way to lower your standards a little bit. I know this class is supposed to be taught in English, but you have to remember this is an ESL environment. And these students speak English, they speak Korean, they speak Chinese, they speak Japanese, they speak other Asian languages too. But English is not their strong point. And I had to find a way, thank God for Netflix once again, to make it fully accessible to them at a reasonable price. Right,
0: right. So I have to ask, is Plato's stepchildren part of your curriculum?
4: It was until I got laughed at. <laughs> <laughs> that episode well, got more laughter even though it taught all that's wrong with the with the this society that Plato would not approve of this society. Right. Right? It got more laughter derisive laughter than I've ever seen in my life. And I dropped it the next semester, Mm. even though it's it receives extensive coverage in the book, the ethics of Star Trek. I'm not going to have Star Trek laughed at. Right.
3: (laughs) Unless it's the trouble with tribbles.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Which I did show last semester toward the end, but I never got any response to it because uh, it was late in the semester and we didn't have time to have a thorough discussion about Mm. it. Yeah, we did watch the Trouble of Tribbles. I want to show that Star Trek is not all serious, that it does have a sense of humor too. Right. Are,
0: are 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 you surprised the way that um Koreans may respond to certain episodes? Do you feel that they respond more strongly or less strongly to episodes that perhaps uh, uh an American might uh like do they like the classics like City on the Edge of Forever, the Doomsday yes, Machine
4: Mock do. time? Well, uh, they love the Spock episodes, which is not unexpected.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, the episode This Side of Paradise gets a huge number of votes when I ask them at the end of the semester, what are your favorite episodes? Mm. This Side of Paradise, where Spock gets sprayed with spores and falls in love with Layla Colomy and kisses her. And I didn't want to, Jim. <laughs> that gets a huge response because of the change in his character. Right. They see that the stoicism can be overcome. At least temporarily, by by artificial means, uh, right. by the use of spores, I guess, not artificial <laughs> organic means. Right. He was high. Spock was high.
0: Don't do okay. drugs, kids. Do you find that there is a a differentiation among gender that male and female look at um, the episodes differently or have a different uh, approach to the episodes that they like or or not really?
4: Well, the women uh, sometimes point out that the the, the, the revealing costumes that the female characters wore, such as Droxine's belly showing in um, The Cloud, Cloud Miners, Miners, which uh, is yes, another episode that scene. I did not like when I was young, but I like now because it right. talks about social justice and how inequality leads to violence. Right. Right. Great episode. For teaching about how inequality leads to violence and how we should try to be live in an equi- an equitable society to overcome violence. I did not like it when I first saw it. I thought another third season stinkeroo. <laughs> but now that I teach it, it's 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 fabulous. But um That's the amazing thing that the women about respond how- to the miniskirt issue differently than the men do. Yeah. Mm. Sure. They see it as uh, not a fashion choice, but something that was forced on the actresses to wear those things hmm. it was revealing costumes.
3: Which is really funny, because in the context of the time, that was actually like that was actually very much a product of, of culture, of actually of, like moving culture forward. Yeah. Um, and of sexual liberation and women's liberation. We were coming out of like you know the very kind of cloistered kind of, you know, lockdown 1950s and that was reflecting a completely different philosophy sort of an embrace of um of, of hedonism of all kinds of things um and it's just it's interesting now that 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 people are looking at it and frankly i think the same way that audiences in the 1950s would have looked at it clearly like it's something that must have been forced on them
4: yeah.
3: versus something that at the time would have been no, no no this is actually like an expression of not being uh, locked down yeah. by these these cultural
4: norms. I've heard that Gene Roddenberry didn't like the female costumes on Star Trek revealing so much skin I but do I don't know if there's any truth to that. that is absolutely oh, I assure you there's
0: not. Absolutely <laughs> untrue. Oh, <laughs> <That is>, uh,
5: yeah.
0: <laughs> uh,
3: <laughs>
2: if, if he could have gotten away with more revealing costumes,
0: he would have. That's right.
3: <laughs> if the if, if Bridge could have been a hot tub... <laughs>
0: i I absolutely love this idea that you're talking about star Trek as a, a living document or a living text because you point very I think rightly to uh, the cloud minders uh, you know as you say is an episode I don't think any of us liked back in the day but if you look at it now it's basically yeah a a, 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 a document of the class struggle I mean it's the coal miners who whose hard work who are getting nothing for them are you know supporting these these the, you know the, the the proletariat is basically supporting the aristocracy up in the clouds who who are living off their labor and 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 of course they get to be artists and they get to wear their you know uh, spend time in museums and 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 it's it's very it's, it's really interesting it's a really interesting again a, it's much more interesting to watch now than perhaps 20 years ago certainly as yeah. a kid
4: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. No. Uh, There's a timeless
4: quality about Star Trek. Some of my students say that it will live until the 23rd century. I believe that's true. Well, one would hope.
2: (laughs) If we have anything Uh, to do with it, it will.
4: Now, let me ask you, is is Devil in the Dark an episode that you include? Yes, it is. We talk about animal rights and how Gene Roddenberry hated. Gene Roddenberry was not a vegetarian, but he thought about what cruelty we put animals through to put food on the table and how he wanted to eat a steak without having to kill the cow. Right. And right. now I say to my students, uh, genetically engineered meat, synthetic meat is now starting to become available, at least right. in scientists' labs. The, the thing that, that that's unfortunate is that it's so expensive at this stage. I'm a meat lover myself, but I would gladly give up meat if I could eat something synthetic that was affordable. Right. Yes. Gene, yeah. That's a popular episode with my students too, and how Kirk takes the side of the Horta after he realizes that the Horta was an intelligent being, a, a subject of a life. Right. Is the term that the philosopher uses is that it, the Horta has emotions, that it can sense its future, that it can take action toward its preferences, right? And when it when it learns English through Spock, it demonstrates its intelligence and its sentience, and then it stops being just a crazy killer of human beings it becomes a mother defending her children right and then kirk changes his mind and says the next man who makes a move is dead and that and then vanderberg says that thing's killed 50 of my men and kirk says and you have killed thousands of her children
1: right
4: yeah that that one is a very popular episode in korea but how can we ever how can we forget poor schmitter who was burnt to a crisp Yeah, (laughs) and William Shatner's father died during the filming of that episode, and I point out to my students how, do you see any change in his performance of this episode, despite the fact, at some point, he knows his father has just passed away, yet he continues on like a professional. That's more like Spock than Kirk, stoicism. Yeah, Yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. absolutely. Mm -hmm. People make fun
4: of William Shatner for overacting, I'm not one of them. Well,
0: they're wrong. They're just it's
4: wrong. <laughs> not, no one on this show. It's uh, not
0: overacting at all. Just forgetting his line. So let me let me uh, <laughs> let me ask you this, uh, Roger. Um, you had mentioned earlier that you were a big fan of Voyager. Is that something that has ever you've ever considered including in your curriculum? Do you feel that there is um, that, that that the episodes exist to sort of explore, or does it yes. not deal with these issues in in a, a Yes, there's an way? episode
4: called Latent Image where where the Doctor is forced to operate on two people who have equally bad injuries and he chooses the person he can only save one of them. And he chooses the person that he knows more than the other and his ethical subroutines kick in and say, that was a mistake. You should have treated the most severely injured. Mm. And he goes through this sort of like for a hologram, he kind of has a mental breakdown over, uh, over a a mistake in ethics. Yes. Voyager has got a number that's covered extensively in the book too. Right. It's just that I like Star Trek, the original series more. It's the first.
5: <laughs> it was what
4: I grew up with. And when I watched Star Trek for the first time in 1972 or 1973 when I was growing up, I had no problem accepting a multiracial crew, that there were right. women on the ship. That that just seemed natural to me, even though that was not my reality. My father was a pilot in the Royal Canadian Air Force, and all the pilots all the officers were white males at that time all my friends were white people at that time and uh to see a future where it's not all white males that appealed to me yeah. even as a seven or eight year old boy i accepted it it was never shocking it never came across as being politically correct right or going too far with political with diversity it never struck me that way yeah never did it just seemed like this is the future this is the way the world will be yeah yeah
0: absolutely absolutely so do you have a dream curriculum that you haven't done that you'd like to do in the future is there another class or or something with star trek that you would like to explore that perhaps you haven't had the chance to do yet
4: i'd like to teach more than one star trek class I'm stuck teaching a lot of English classes. I like I like te- teaching English, don't get me wrong. I like teaching Charles Dickens. I like teaching Oliver Twist and A Christmas Carol. I would rather, I'd rather be teaching only Star Trek. But <laughs> there's no demand for it. Right. To have a, an all Star Trek professor. That's I'm because you're not teaching it in class. the original, the original yeah. klingon you
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> hey. There is no
3: infinitive to be in Klingon, which was a huge problem for Nicholas Meyer. Can Could you imagine a,
0: subtitling them in Klingon? I, I mean, I guess apparently, I guess in the United States, uh, somewhere they're, uh, they're teaching Klingon as a, in in. Okay, there's well, a, well, book that's a good apparently.
3: So in Star Trek Three, they're speaking Klingon. They're speaking Mark Okran's Klingon, right? right? And yeah. they're they're using it, and then it's being translated like with the subtitles on screen. So are there subtitles on the subtitles? Do the turtles go all the way down? Like, how does that, how does that work? No,
0: no, no, no. Because basically um, you have to supply a textless version to to international territories. And then then the subtitles are in whatever the language is, for that region. So for you instance,
3: the Klingon, Klingon is
0: being translated in Korea, the yeah. subtitles would be in Korean. They wouldn't be in English yeah, and that's then right. Korean. That's, that's right. right.
3: Got it. <laughs> that's right.
0: It's it's part of the delivery requirements. That's why, you know, when you deliver the M and E tracks, which is music and effects, so mm-hmm. for dubbing, you know, they could dub mm-hmm. it in any language, but it's the same you have to do a textless version so that it can be subtitled in any language.
4: Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: But I, I gotta tell you, Roger, this this was absolutely fascinating. Um and, like I, I I just I think it's and I think it's great because there's so many people out there who consider, you know, Star Trek um or science fiction in general trivial and they don't see how important and how meaningful and yeah. and 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 how complex the ideas are that it was grappling with on a week to week basis. They only see the William Ware Tice. Outfits, and they see you know, uh, Apollo standing, you know, summoning lightning bolts on yeah. the steps of uh, in who or at and they don't realize how much there is to mine in Star Trek. And I think it's great that you're, you know, you're out there, uh, um, you know, basically introducing this to the world. Um, Thank you. And Star Trek has always been a been a franchise that has done better in the United States than anywhere else. It has done well in the UK. Uh, There's been some interest in in Germany, but it has never been an international phenomenon. We talked about in the way Star Wars is, and that's true, you know, everywhere. So the fact that, you know, you're out there in these, uh, you know, in Korea, that they're they're discovering the show for the first time and they're they're embracing it, I think is a wonderful thing. How would it be to to be there at, at
2: the beginning again?
4: <laughs> Bread and circuses. Caesar <laughs> and Christ. We watched that episode. We discover whether Kirk is a master or a slave, according to right. Nietzsche. And we discover that he's both. Right. Although Dr. Barat in her book says that Kirk is a sexist. And uh I kind of take issue with that. I mean he. He did have a lot of girlfriends, but he didn't mistreat anyone or you Not at all, and they all loved him, and they all yes. were friends with him afterwards. I, I, I point out how, to what he said alert. to Charlie Evans and Charlie X. He says, "You go slow. You be gentle. You take yeah. her feelings into account." That's not yeah. the words of a sexist. That's correct. That's right.
0: That's correct. And we've talked about this on the show before. That. You know all these exes of 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 Bill uh, of, of Captain Kirk's. They're all on good. They're all on good terms with him. You know when yeah. he sees Ruth or he sees uh, in Deadly Years or in Court Martial. They're all happy to see him. There's this, yeah. yeah Carol yeah, Marcus. He, he, you know even Carol Marcus is like she's more concerned because they agree like not what he's going to do parent David. Yeah, That's it was fair. about David. It wasn't that she was upset to see uh, Kirk. She she was he's concerned her about. Young what it would do in terms of they didn't have a co-parenting relationship with David. And of course he was never afraid of strong, powerful women. Every woman he's involved with, you know, had a, had a a big job. I mean, you know, the Jag and court martial, I mean, they were scientists, they were admirals, they were important people. You know, he wasn't doubt. I mean, the thing is he ran as far as he could from Yeoman Rand. He wanted to have nothing to do with her because he he wouldn't. Get involved with a subordinate. That was not the way that he would, you know. Even when he got involved with um uh, uh in 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 uh, Dagger of the Mind, yeah. With, uh, Mariana right. Hill, um, yeah. You know, she was someone who just. Helen Noel, yeah. Helen Noel, you know, yeah. he. You got the impression that they did not consummate things at the Christmas party. That she's yeah. kind of like hoping things would go there, Man. but he, because she was a crew member, he didn't go held there. off. He didn't, he didn't go there there. And then she mind fucks him. Well, you know, you're in love with me. So Subtext
3: becomes text. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we would completely agree with you about that. And um, oh, yeah. it's sort of a cliche, you know, just because he had a lot of girlfriends and it was a convention of the era that the uh, the male lead, you know, would romance all these people. But he was very respectful of the women in his life. And, oh. you know, it, it, it's so... So, so absolutely. But again, this was, this was great. Um, and uh, I wonder how we would all do on one of your exams.
4: Uh, <laughs> sure, after I'm all, sure. we are, we are this the This is intended for the novice. Experts would have no difficulty. Native speakers of English would have no difficulty.
0: <laughs> Not experts, Trexperts.
4: Trexperts, right. <laughs>
0: Uh, But but this is great. I would be remiss if I didn't thank uh, Ralph Sinensky, who was the person who introduced us. Uh, Ralph had mentioned that you were a fascinating individual that we might want to connect with for the show. So a special shout out to to Ralph uh, for bringing your work to our attention, because uh, this is something we wanted to do for a long time is explore Star Trek and academia. And I can't imagine, you know, having a, a better conversation about it. So thank you, Roger.
4: Oh, you're welcome pleasure thanks so much
0: Yep, a play and we'll uh we'll hope to talk to you again uh the, the next time you revise your curriculum and th- there's more to discuss okay, okay. great okay long you prosper. take care thank- live long and prosper to you as well thank you well i thoroughly enjoyed that conversation It was a lot gentlemen. of fun that was awesome <laughs> you know roger's an interesting cat i would love to take that class oh my god
2: how, how right. I would have loved to have taken that class when I was in college. I certainly would have uh,
0: gotten a better grade than the classes that I did take. <laughs> no, we should ask for a copy of the final exam and all do it oh, and then see see, see how we're see how we're graded. To read
3: our answers. Yeah, <laughs>
0: that's awesome. Yeah, you know, at least get it to put up on the uh, on the on the Facebook page or something. Yeah, it, it would be it that's would
3: be funny. great. You know, it would be great. Must, to really capture the experience, he should give it to us in Korean. <laughs> <laughs> oh
2: my
0: goodness! Oh, yes, indeed. But uh, but yeah, it, it's great, and I think Star Trek in academia is really interesting. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, there are only a few shows that warrant this kind of exploration. Um, Star Trek being one of them, the Brady Bunch being another. Uh, sure. That warrant you know this kind of deep dive, and and it's a testament to the. Um, the depth and complexity of the ideas being explored in Star oh, Trek. But
2: big questions, like should you or should you not play ball in the house, you know. Yeah. These are big. Uh, and you know what? The answer questions. is no. The answer is no, because well, you'll break the horse. Look. Yeah.
0: And is there a bigger ethical question, you know, than when Kirk is confronted with having to let Edith Keeler die?
3: Yeah, it's Greg going. You know what? Marsha is like my sister, but not really my sister. <laughs> So, (laughs) given that fact, (laughs) so Greg goes back in time and no. Wait, you know, we are selling it short because there was that episode where Greg asked two girls out at the same time and he took them to one restaurant. He had like one in each room and he learned a very important lesson about scheduling. And um...
0: (laughs) And, and of course, when they try to involve their brothers and sisters in their cover ups, you know, is it right to put that burden on them? Right. You know, That's and then right. when you, you know you predict the UFO in the backyard, well, you know, and 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 are, are trying to convince somebody from the local news that you've actually seen a UFO, and do you reveal the fact that you're lying uh, when 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 the situation? And then of course there is the episode where Cousin Oliver locks Sam in the uh, in the meat locker because he thinks so he's a CIA, uh, uh, he's a spy for
3: for 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 uh, for, for like an opposing power. Um, and who can forget Bobby getting cursed by like that Tiki doll uh, when they went to Hawaii yes. and just all of the problems that that created. I mean, it's a, it's a really about cultural appropriation. Um, We're coming you know, up just... with our own uh, class in, On uh, the Brady Bunch. In, in the Brady Bunch. Yeah, we are. I, you know what? I would take this class.
0: <laughs> in
3: glorious <laughs> Brady spurts. Oh my god. <laughs> doesn't sound that right That sounds to me. wrong on
0: every level. I,
2: I
3: think that's, <laughs> that's
5: like I think
2: that's we'll just bad. start every episode.
3: we the Bradys in trouble in the first place, my friend. Here's a story. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and we could do that on Zoom for sure. Sure. Oh yeah. The oh my goodness. The Brad <laughs> The Brady like, Zoom. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Coming soon on the Electric Circuit channel <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh, yes. well listen well, this, is, this is great and Ashley as always great having you uh, with the Experts to talk Trek and talk teaching Trek and Darren um, I'm ready to take that exam with you if you are let's do it okay great well listen I want to thank uh, our audience once again for joining us for another episode of Trek Experts, and of course our sound engineer Bill Ritter for making us so, sound so good even over Zoom and and of course, our production coordinator, Peter Holmstrom, who's helped do research and pull clips for us, uh, as well as our production associate, Zach Raggett. And I wanna encourage you to listen to the other great uh, Electric Surge podcasts, like Best Movies Never Made, Two on Who, and The Rebel and the Rogue, and as well as the all new Disco Nights with Chase Masterson and Ryan Britt, where they talk about Martin Trek in all its iterations. So if you're a fan of the new Star Trek shows, check out Disco Nights with Chase Masterson and Ryan Britt you'll be glad you did. And, um, you can always watch us anytime on the electric surge channel, which is part of electric now. So download the electric now app where you can watch for free episodes of Inglorious Trexperts, our other great podcasts, the Four Thirty movie, as well as TV shows from the electric library, like leverage, the outpost and more.
2: And if so, you want to get some of our uh, wonderful Inglorious Trexperts swag, T-shirts and shirts and cups and all that sort of stuff. Join us on uh, inglorioustrexperts dot and you can find because it, it is there.
0: beginning to feel a lot like Christmas. It is,
3: and so. what's
2: better than giving someone a colonar t-shirt?
3: <laughs> a colonoscopy.
0: Hey, watch it! <laughs>
3: no, no, check out check out
0: the great uh, Trexpert swag at inglorioustrexperts dot But we'll be back next Friday with an all new episode as we count down. Speaking of counting down, we got to figure out what our big year-end episode is going to be. He's giving
2: a countdown. (laughs) Uh,
0: Well, we'll figure it out because we only got a couple of weeks before the end of the year. Thank God. And uh, I want to thank everybody for joining us this week. And we'll see you next week at 10 o'clock on Friday night for an all-new episode of Inglorious Treksports. Until then, keep on trekking. ingloriously, of course. Engage.
5: I know the fears that your elders grew by And so please help them with your youth They see the truth before they can die Teach your parents well That children's hell will slowly go by